Uh, my guest today is the former co-host of BET's Club Comic View, was featured on Kevin Hart's One Mic Stand, Tony Rock's The Funny Spot, has a full-length clean comedy special on Dry Bar Comedy, and just up just wrapped up season two as a cast member on the web series Studio C. Please welcome to the check drop, Mr. Comedian Arvin Mitchell. What up, Arvin? Hey, Jeff, how you doing? <laughs> you know, I'm living my best life. Yeah, in the house. <laughs> well, aren't we all now? We're all the trapped part. in the house. Yeah. What is up? Uh, so if you're not, if you're watching this later, uh, Arvin Mitchell, I just said he looks like Indiana Jones. He's got this, this, uh, this Indiana Jones. He's living in Utah now, so he's kind of fitting the fitting the part. Well, they don't dress like this out here. I just, <laughs> I just wasn't proud of my hair, so I put this hat on. <laughs> well, it's good to see you, regardless, friend. Thank you. You too. Good man. I'm glad so, uh, you're, you're well. Yeah, man. Well, even if even if I wasn't, I, I'm going to put on this happy face and, and fool everyone. <laughs> that's, that's my mo. It's, it's a lot of that going around. <laughs> right. Yeah, are you happy, man? You look you look a little sad. <laughs> no, I'm not sad. All right, cool. I'm I'm cool. All right, I'm so, still indifferent, <laughs> but I'm cool. So you just got married recently, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how's the uh, how's the uh, newlywed uh, uh, scenario going? Um, it's uh, it's something I I, I I probably I shouldn't have did it. I think. Um, <laughs> Hold on, during this time frame or with her? Her. Uh oh. Like she in the next room. I'm joking, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say this all of a sudden turned into oh. a comedy podcast. <laughs> into a uh, therapy session and i i don't think i'm uh, i'm qualified to to uh handle this conversation i was about to tap out i can't out. wait i, was I can't about to wait tap to watch out. this again your face was priceless you like, wait a minute i you no, have me going i was like all right all right cool so that's, that's why i'm an actor yeah but there you go well uh, i can't wait to meet it's, her it's, she's a sweetheart chuck um yeah. it's an adjustment though it is um I was just so used to being single for so long. It was just, it was like, it's a huge adjustment, but I'm not regretting, you know, marrying her or anything. I'm just learning a lot about myself and, um, and I'm happy to have somebody not just during COVID. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's, uh, it's unique, uh, obviously, uh, to get married during this time. Cause you just got married uh, about a month ago. Um, what, uh, made you not want to wait until this is over? Um, was it, uh, you looking for a tax deduction or like, before the end of the year what, what, uh, <laughs> that's a good what? idea it so. was um i knew it already you know and um we were off and on for a while and you know because you such a great agent you kept me working a lot so i was away a lot on those cruise ships and just doing doing too much outside the house not enough in the house and my relationship was neglected and um she just deserved better than that, so she broke up with me, and okay. um, that's when I got the call for Studio C. So we were we were broken up for about two years. Uh, I was dating, and man, I was dating this beautiful model who was an empty nester and could cook, and I had to break her heart and let her go because my heart was elsewhere. So I went I went back. Um, my ex told me, my wife, my then wife, I don't know what to call her, but I'm telling the story. So yeah, I got my, it. she was my ex. So she told me, don't, don't, 
I called her when she first broke up with me. She said, how'd you get my number? Not, not how'd you get my number. She said, where are you calling me from? I said, I'm calling you from a cruise ship. She said, don't call me from no number. <laughs> and I said, well, okay. okay. And so I was like, you know, I'm Arthur Mitchell. I'm called. You know, I, I can get you back. I can say this stuff. And uh, I called Throw your swagger again. out there. The Arvin Mitchell swagger. Man, the swagger was gone. <laughs> and uh, she hung up the phone. Yeah, the lagger. It sounded like a rhyme. <laughs> she hit me with a dagger so her brother called me and he said and he's a big dude he said my sister said don't call him no more and uh i just decided when he said it don't call her anymore it came with a little extra so time, exclamation point like uh i got yeah. it got it all right right that makes sense right yeah so anyway long story short i was um you know having a, you know going through it emotionally broken heart feeling all bad i started putting things together like i was an einstein or a chemist or alchemist or something i said wait a minute she said don't call her no more she didn't say don't email so i shot her the email and she shot me one back and uh she she said something to my question and then she said um i think this is a conversation better had over the phone so I said, when's a good time to call? She was like, whenever you feel free. I called her right away, and we stayed on the phone for four hours. And that was it. Like nice. that was right before right before COVID hit, and um, and seventeen I, masks after, later, you got married. <laughs> yeah, I went. I went in. I went and got her and brought her from California because they were cutting, shutting California down. I had to go get her and, and bring her home. Nice. All that right. Is. Well, let's shift yeah. gears a little bit. That's a, that's a beautiful story, sir. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> you asked, man. Oh, I know. I know I did. But uh, that's why I, I had to keep the conversation moving. That's that's what a good interviewer does, sir. And uh, so uh, I'm going to uh, I want to go back to the, the, the roots of your uh, your comedy. So you're from St. Louis, Missouri. Is that where you yes. started your your comedy career? Yeah. OK. Yeah, I started it in St. Louis. Um and then I started to venture out with, uh, with other headliners that saw me, you know, work in the circuit and they started taking me on the road with them. And, you know, I, just, I was, man, when I'm, I'm funny now, but like when I first started, I didn't know, I was ignorantly funny. And, you know, I could say it that way because my, the guy who was kind of like my comedy mentor, Kenny Howe, he works with Mike Epps sometimes. Okay. And he's known for being, Kenny Ignit Howell or something like that. I, I just know ignorant was in it, but um, yeah, I was. I didn't know. I didn't know boundaries or anything. And a lot of the headliners like me, so they start taking me around with them, and that's how I start working my muscle. Well, what made you want to pursue stand up? I mean, uh, what age were you when you first started uh, in St. Louis? Um, in St. Louis, when I, I think I was like twenty three, okay. about twenty three when I started, but. I've been loving comedy since since I was a child. Like I saw the inside jokes in a lot of things, even in cartoons. Like you know, like Bugs Bunny and Pepe Le Pew, and like they were. I was like, this is. I didn't. I knew it was comedy, but I didn't know it was like it was like adult comedy and some of that stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, you go back so and I look at watch, that now, and some of those things that went over the kids' heads, and like you can go back and watch. Yeah, that. yeah. So now it's just blatant. You know, there's no guesswork left 
for uh, for your mind to do. But um, yeah, I fell in love with In Living Color and Def Comedy Jam and um, All in the Family, um, Good Times. I was, I was just anything that could make me laugh. I was like, I didn't know that you could get paid for doing this. That's how ignorant I was. But you know, when you watch the stuff on television, you just think like, they just look like they're having fun. You don't know. It's a lot that goes behind that. So yeah, man, I, I, we used to, um, we used to play Make Me Laugh in my household, you know? So if you can make your brothers and sisters laugh, then everybody else should be easy. Right, yeah. You ever played it? Uh, no, it was Make Me Cry. Obviously ah. my... <laughs> make Me Cry. <laughs> it's a whole different game. <laughs> With a belt. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> yeah. This is your microphone. <laughs> So, do you remember ah, the very first time? <laughs> okay. Whoa, you're right. This is the dog. All right. Lady. Do you remember the first time you uh, stepped uh, foot on a stage? And uh, do you remember the name of the venue? Yes. The first time I got on stage, I want to say it was it was the Funny Bone. Okay. No. Is it was the, the Westport. Is that the was wasn't it the Westport? The Westport. Yeah. Okay. That's where Dave Carlo was 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 the manager. Right. Down so, kind of near the casino. There's a casino down there, I think, right? There's a casino quite a ways away okay. from okay. that funny bone. But anyway, I entered a comedy competition, and I didn't know it was a competition. It was No, it wasn't a competition. It was an audition to be on something, and it was my first time doing comedy, and I signed up for it, and they put me up first because I wasn't a home comic, and they didn't know me. Okay. But I still killed it, and I surprised myself. A lot of people, they were asking me how long I had been doing comedy. I was like, this is my first time. And they were like, no way. And I was like, yeah. So after that, they started inviting me to the club. And I started, you know, being able to work out more. But I didn't know about bringer shows. And yeah. I don't like bringer shows. It wasn't, yeah, I don't does. feel like that's, yeah, it's, it's not fair to people who, who driving, you know, 30, 45 minutes away for you to bring 100 people. But I also understand the business side of it. You know, they got to sell drinks and right. stuff like that. So. If, you, if you're not in the industry, a bringer show is basically, uh, hey, we'll let you do some time, but you can only have, only if you bring X amount of people, like 10, 20 people. So you're like bugging the shit out of your family and your friends constantly. It's always good that first time. But then like, hey, I got another show next week. And you're like, ah, no, nah, I don't want to go again. So it's, yeah, hard, it's harder to keep bringing new people to your events. Is it? Yeah. It's even harder if you suck, you know, because, <laughs> like, I've seen some guys do bringer shows and they bring out the most people, but they're the worst comics. Yeah. And then when all those people that came from seeing them being the greatest promoter on the planet, but the worst comedian they ever seen, it can turn pretty bad. And the other the flip side to that is when that person leaves, whether they do good or bad, they take the audience with them. So yeah. now the room's empty, yeah. you know, so. If well, you're watching yeah. and you want to do stand-up, stay away from bringer shows if you can help it. Yeah, unless they're your own bringer shows. There's ton of uh, there's a ton of comedians I can think of off the top of my head right now that are uh, amazing market marketers, but shitty comics. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah. So that is definitely a thing. So um, yeah. So did you have? Uh, I mean, obviously, you said you did well your very first time. Did you like go home and practice in a mirror, or like what was your? Do you remember any of your first bits that you did? <laughs> Yeah, I remember one of them that I first did. I didn't practice in the mirror. I just um, I just wrote it down a bunch of times because that's how I used to learn and study for tests. Um, I, I was working at this place called Sam's Membership Club, 
and you know you know what Sam's is, don't you? Yeah, yeah like Costco. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was I was working there, and I would I would practice the jokes on the guys in the break room because they they seemed to like me, and we were just hanging out, and the girls too. And um, I I wouldn't I wouldn't say it like it was a joke. I'd work it into a conversation, right? So one day, and I don't know if this was a joke at the time or not, but I just remember having this conversation. Because the guy, there was a guy, I remember what he looked like, but I don't remember his name. He's like, he's so fascinated with spaceships. And he just wouldn't shut up about these spaceships. And, uh, you know, they were coming on the news a lot back then. You know, these sightings and stuff. And I said, uh, I said, the thing that, that kind of tripped me out about these spaceship sightings, the alien sightings and stuff is, they always go in, in crops, you know, they go in cornfields and stuff. How come they don't oh how come they don't go in the city? And the guy turned around immediately like he's 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 he knows everything there is to know about. It. He goes, It's obvious they're scared of the city lights. And I said, They're scared of the city blacks. <laughs> and, and and this girl that was sitting on <laughs> She was sitting by the coffee pot. She fell off the counter laughing. And they were like, you should do comedy. You should do comedy. And um, and I took that premise and wrote a joke about aliens coming in the city. And I said, you know, aliens couldn't come in the city. They, they always go to the county because it's safe and it's spacious. And, you know, it, there's not a lot of uh, activity going on. But if they crashed up in a in a in a black person's apartment, they couldn't just they couldn't just crash and leave. A black mother would tell them, "Now you're not just about to crash up in my apartment. You gonna you gonna move around some of this furniture." But I was using like space words or whatever, like you gonna zap around some of this furniture. No, and then and you gonna you gonna I said you gonna zap me up a couple of million dollars and then you gonna beam your ass up out of here. So it was pretty cleverly written. I just got tired of doing it. Yeah, that's that's surprising. As long as I've been doing all my material, <laughs> now you're but, a pretty uh, animated uh, comedian. Um, then you you move around the stage a lot, make a lot of facial expressions and uh, impressions, etc. Uh, were you that way out of the gate? Did you kind of um, go into it just that way, or is that just kind of your natural personality? Like, I, I this is the way I want to perceive my stand up into that into that world because you're definitely one of those great high energy comedians that you never know what you're gonna do, and you're just always moving around. So. I think that helps Thank sell you. the joke for you. Well, it's, it, it, it was never like a strategy. I never even really thought about it. I was just like, as I tell this story, what's the best way to paint this picture? You know, like okay. if, if, if people, if people, you know, doing stand up for so long, I've experienced so many different types of audiences. I've had people sitting, I, this one guy was sitting in the audience with some headphones on and, um, and I go, dude, why would you come to a comedy show and leave your headphones on? And his mother yells out, he's autistic. You know, and then there's another time, there's a guy waiting after the show. I'm going, why are you waiting for me? You sat through the whole show and you didn't laugh one time. He goes, I'm deaf, but I was reading your lips and I was laughing inside. You know what I mean? So having, having instances like that, and these families that wait on you after the show to explain why this person was blurting out something, they might have a I, one of my castmates. He has Tourette's, and um, okay. and he can, he saw me. Check this out, Chuck. 
He saw me at Dry Bar Comedy when I did the special, and now he's my castmate. And he was on a date the night that I recorded, and he said I I helped him have a good night. That's that's what he said. But it didn't. It wasn't like a sexual thing. He's a virgin. He's like a thirty year old virgin, man. It's he's a miracle. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's it's stuff like that where I feel like I have to be so animated and zany because I'm painting the picture for people who who may only get it on the on the very surface level. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. and it's fun for me to express it that way. Wow. Did, when you well when you started out, um, did you uh, did you have like a circle of comedy friends that you kind of had a click with or you just kind of like did it on your own? I was by myself. It was uh, my sister inspired me to do comedy. I was working at uh, Sam's membership club and I would come home tired or I'd say something. She goes, I don't know why you're working at a dumb job. Anyway, you should be doing comedy. That's all you should be doing. And I said, I didn't know how to get into it. And she said, you know, I'll I'll support you in whatever way I can. And she let me live with her until I started getting on my feet and getting booked. And um, it was just my family. And I, I didn't, I started being friends with other comics, but like a lot of times they would, and I'm not, when I say this, whoever's watching, don't take offense. Like I'm, I think I'm better than them. It just wasn't my thing. They would hang out and they would smoke weed after the club and drink. And it just wasn't my thing. So I was trying to get back home, you know, and I would I would go over my set with my sister again and again, and she'd tell me, like, you should take that out. That's too mean or, you know, stuff like She was kind of like, because she's such a big fan of comedy, she was kind of like managing me and coaching me at the same time because I think as a comic, you need somebody. Like, you just asked me, like, did you have some friends or whatever? Like, everybody needs at least one person that they can – they can kind of like talk shop with. Yeah, like a comedy mentor. I, I yeah. feel like, yeah, you should always have somebody, you know, that you can ask questions and find somebody that you can trust as well because yeah. I'm sure there's that that competition factor that people giving you bad yeah. advice and you're like, they're not, because they don't want you to get up to that level where they are because it's a little bit of a pecking order, right? Like some are Dude. great. Like they want to help you out as much as possible and down the road they'll put you in, projects they're working on but others are like nah they they want to they want to put their foot on your head and keep you down as far as you can so speaking of that <laughs> so <laughs> i end up being becoming friends with some comics and everything you just said to the t like they i had i heard comics who who didn't have that that insecurity telling me they knew i was next i also had excuse me comics trying to sabotage me when i was in um I was in uh, the comedy competition with Lil JJ on BET Comic View. This was, that was like my television debut. Um, the guy that was mentoring me, Kenny Howe, was telling me, like I was telling him I was frustrated. This thing wasn't going right. I'm starting to see some things. But I was still happy to just be getting the opportunity to be on television. Come right. to find out, he knew the, the my biggest competition's manager, and he was telling me they were sending him jokes and, like, like, dude, if you know this stuff about what's going on behind the scenes, help me out, you know, but you yeah. can't expect people to help you. Like you said, if you, if there's a pecking order and you surpass them, which I did end up doing to, you know, in, with some guys that were from my hometown who were doing comedy long before me. And um, it just you, you can't get help from people you're in competition with. 
you know comedy so, is weird that way like uh it's definitely one of those businesses that uh, you're your own boss right so you're you're trying to uh just kind of but you're also the i guess your own beacon of light for your own career i mean there's people that can help you and such but a lot of times a lot of it's on your own i mean up until you get to that little bit of a star quality level where you get uh, say management or agents that kind of bring you up to that next level but i mean most people don't ever get to that level where they have anybody working for them i mean most comedians yeah. are all on their own and such so yeah it's uh yeah, it's 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 a tough business <laughs> like yeah. everybody always sees the 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 great things about those business and when you're doing <laughs> it like on stage and and or whatever and, and then there's times like this where it's a little bit like oh all right we come to a grinding halt <laughs> so yeah so. like never before <laughs> yeah so let's talk about your uh your um would you uh i mean i'm safe to say that maybe this is your first big break when you got uh the uh, club comic view that kind of puts you on the map i i'd say as far because uh, a lot of people still yeah. know you for um from that just even today i mean somebody even in yeah. the chat um mentioned earlier uh what was he on he looks familiar uh so yeah <laughs> so so things like that i think a lot of people like i was still surprised even you know still going to like college conferences and such and people are like oh i used to watch you on uh on club comic view so yeah um that comic view i think yeah club really it was coming to the stage that was my big like television debut because that was a family show and i was in competition with a kid it was it was called coming to the stage and um little jj was the winner and i was the first runner-up but that that show, I I don't care. Nothing can happen to me from saying this. It was so rigged, Chuck. It was it was crazy how yeah. rigged it was. And um, I remember and that. I, I remember the that, that they had that that spotlight on that young kid that could tell jokes. And and I I think his 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 path was already paved. I actually just looked yeah. him up um, not too long ago to see what he's doing. I think he's in college now. I think he got out yeah. of the business and uh, yeah, school. So. Yeah. yeah, I saw him walking down the street uh, at a festival in, in L.A. a couple of years ago, and we, we exchanged numbers and talked briefly or whatever. But it was just um, it was a marketing strategy, and I was glad to be a part of it, yeah. you know. But, um, yeah, I, so I went from being in the competition with Lil' J.J., Denny Lies, and um, a couple of other guys, and um, in, into being the bartender, get into being a bartender on uh, BET's Comic View. And, and – and the co-host and that really got my name on the map and i got a lot of auditions for for some movies when i moved out to la and then um, i was featured on comic view a couple of more times i got uh, i got to host spring bling 21 questions on bet and tony rocks the funny spot i got to be featured on that and work with kim whitley and it just really gave me a buzz that helped me when i was out there on the circuit you know even even doing the cruise ships and everything like, but I never did a lot of clubs. It wasn't until you know like this weekend. Like it's, it's not like I've never been in a comedy club before. That's where I started. But after um after Comic View, I did a few clubs, and then you know you met my cousin Tracy who was managing me, and then you and I linked up, and it was just colleges and cruise ships from there. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been yeah, on quite we, a few I, things. I discussed but... that a lot last week uh, on the podcast about uh, just that. Like, you have to get your roots in the co in the clubs to earn your comedy mm -hmm. stripes and just learn how to be a comedian. But unfortunately, that's the worst uh, uh, monetary, uh, I guess, pecking, I guess, rung on the ladder. I mean, they don't pay shit. And, and we just talked about they the don't. bringer shows where you don't get paid. You have to still bring people. So it's just, yeah, yeah. once you can 
put you know uh, some clubs in in your rear rear view mirror, um, there's a lot more opportunities for uh, fin- financial rewards on the back end with with other you know corporates, colleges, etc. So yeah, so I was glad that you know I kind of took you under my wing to to um, to help you do that. So yeah, that that was it was it was fun and it was great training ground. And now that I had the opportunity to work my comedic muscle on the cruise ships and with so many clean shows under my belt now that now that i'm back to doing a few clubs now it's it's got me it's got that muscle up to where i'm just as funny clean as i was dirty and man that feels good to be able to do in the club yeah you just worked uh wise guys uh and and odgen right utah this past week yeah that's yeah yeah so uh friday and saturday sold out Sold out. Nice. Were they at fifty percent capacity, or, or are they just full out? Like, hey, we're there's no COVID. Around. Nah, <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. It looked like it was more than 50 percent capacity, but it was okay. it was COVID sold out. Okay. So we okay. wasn't like standing room only and stuff like that. But people came to the door, and I it I I felt so good, Chuck, to hear this lady take. She took her boyfriend or her husband's hand and turned around. She said, "They're sold out," and I'm like. For me, <laughs> it sold out for me. That's but awesome. um, I gotta find a, I gotta find a club up here. I gotta find a room to make my own to where I get the door. Because yeah. if I can do bringer shows, that's how I started doing the Blueberry Hill in St. Louis. When I found out what bringer shows were, and they told me that was the only way I was gonna get on stage, I was like, "Who the hell you think you're talking to? <laughs> like, you a pimp?" Telling me you got the only girl in town. I'm like, nah, there's a lot of girls out here. Yeah. So I found the Blueberry Hill, which it's a it's a it's a Chuck Berry. Well, there's a guy named Joe Edwards in St. Louis who has his own everything. Like this guy owns the whole community almost, pretty much. Anyway, um, he has this club called the Blueberry Hill. It's an eatery, but they have a in the basement, they have all these pictures of ducks. Howard the Duck, Donald Duck, Daffy Duck, Scrooge McDuck, any duck you can think of. That he he collects these little figurines, put them in glass cases. If you ever get to go, you'll love it. So I went there hanging out with this dude I didn't even like. I just I forgot I told him we'd hang out this night, but he was a pest. So I go to hang out with him, and it was it was it was my introduction to the duck room. They call it the duck room because all the ducks were down there. But well, that was. That's a whole nother part of the story. Anyway, they call it the Doug Room. They call it the Doug Room because Chuck Berry was Joe Edwards' best friend, and he used to do the duck walk on the stage down there. So you know what the duck walk is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so anyway, um, so when he showed me that room and I got down there, I was like, this is the perfect place for me to do my shows. And um, I started producing shows there, and it seat like 100 people. And Nellie's aunt, she came with me to see it because she told me she'd sponsor me. But when she saw how many people I packed in there, she pulled me to the side and she said, I know I told you I was going to sponsor you, but you got enough people. You don't need my help. You just need to raise your price. And I was like, uh, gee, thanks. <laughs> but I'm glad she gave me that little bit of help because I was charging $5 a show. And I took it from $5 to 15 in advance and 20 at the door. 
you know, so she gave me enough when she gave me that. That was sponsorship, yeah. you know. Well, yeah, but, um, that's, that's, I would never. That's the business, right? You live and you learn, and you figure out how to how to adapt and and make it work. Like even what we're doing now, uh, switching to yeah. virtual shows and such. I mean, we're everybody's pivoting and making it work. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. crazy. So uh, I uh, I remember. Uh, I know you know the story. Uh, it, for those uh, watching and or listening <laughs> later, that uh. Um, how I got Arvin uh, as a client is a good story. <laughs> we don't have to say names, but uh, we can tell the story. So um, I was uh, interested in Arvin. I can't remember if I had talked to you first or you had talked to me first. Um, but uh, long story short is I submitted you. Well, you gave me a green light and said, I'm with you, Chuck. Let's go forward. And I was submitting you to a NACA conference. And mm -hmm. the next thing I know, I got a call from the NACA office and said, the agent that used to represent Arvin is not releasing Arvin. And I was like, wait, what do you, what do you mean? There's no contracts. Like, so, so, and then you got into a little turf war, right? Yeah, man. Uh, well, he was stealing money. Um, I was, I, I was kicking myself in the butt for taking so long to, to discover that he was stealing money. And, um, yeah, man, I would, I would, I would see him at conferences even after that happened. He'd still like smile at me and hey, how things going for you? And I'm like, dude, why are you even looking in my direction? Yeah. But I just, you know, I, I play nice and everything. But yeah, it's a lot of underhanded guys out there. So you gotta read your contracts and 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 work with good people. Yeah, so, this, this business is uh is you know, it has the reputation of not not the nicest individuals at times. But there are a lot of amazing yeah. people in this business too. So I just kind of choose, you know, who I uh, work with wisely, I guess. And uh, and and Arvin, uh, I mean, just to pat you, yourself on the back, you've been one of my best finds I've ever found in the 22 years of my business. Uh, you know, no complaints. You, I mean, I don't think we've. I can't remember any bad reviews, really. <laughs> I'm sure well, you've had a couple. You. Not, not really. <laughs> I, I've had a few. I mean, I've booked you <laughs> thousands of places. I mean, you were one of those few that I could yeah. book. I've booked you everywhere from Guam to uh, uh, Europe, uh, and then on cruise ships all throughout the Caribbean, and every college in the country, and corporate events, and yeah. yeah I mean, so you've you've uh, been a star in my uh, in my uh, roster. So thank you, Chuck. That's it. That's yeah, my nice it's, thing. It's, I'll, I'll say some bad things about you later, but uh, that's all. Well, I can take it. <laughs> I'm just look. I'm glad to have had that much work over the years because had I not, I don't know what I would do or what position I would be in when this hit. I mean, I don't think we were two weeks into COVID before people start calling me for money. I'm like, dude, I tell jokes, okay? <laughs> I don't sell cars and houses. I still I tell jokes, and I have a family, so. Yeah. You 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 got the wrong number. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, and then uh yeah, so um let's talk about the Studio C. So two years ago, um um I got uh you an audition for uh, a show called Studio C, which is a web series similar to I guess Saturday Night Live for children, I guess, if if that's a good way to explain it. I would say I would say Tweens family. Or family. It, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's not over the top laughable laugh out loud funny but it's definitely clean and it's a it's filmed by a mormon-based company out in utah and um and um but 
they, they've got over like two billion views of all these videos. So, so, but Arvin's yeah. been a cast member for the last two years. So, so it has and... been, uh, again, about a new comedy muscle trying to flex that um, and still be able mm-hmm. to work uh, weekends doing stand up um, on the road and, and then flying back to do your full time gig. I'm sure that's been kind of a crazy ride the last two years. It's, it's been a relief not to have to travel, but um, more than anything, just, just kind of learning sketch comedy has, it's been great and stressful at the same time because I went from being able to say whatever's on my mind, the way that I think of it, and getting generating, literally generating an instant laugh from people to my jokes being ran through a process and other people saying, why this might not work in this kind of comedy. And um, that was a hard pill to swallow, you know, especially when I've been doing, I've been doing comedy longer than, longer than probably some of my castmates been alive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, but, yeah, so it probably goes back to what we were just talking about. Like you were, you're your own boss, right? I mean, you've been your own boss yeah. for so long. So now you go work for a corporate entity that you know you're a team player now that you're with what nine other cast members or whatever and yeah. you know now your your workload that where you're focused 100 percent on yourself typically now you're down to 10 percent, and everybody's trying to wedge their way in some way shape or form as much as possible to keep that creative outlet going i'm assuming so um it yeah. was it was a shock to my system chuck <laughs> for, for somebody who 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 went from to be told from somebody who used to bust tables that I'm not doing something right regarding comedy. And and that's not that's not to say anything mean towards anybody. It's just that I've been doing this for over 20 years and getting standing ovations and everything. But again, it's a different muscle. That's like me knowing about comedy, but still just try to jump out of my world and start trying to book other comedians like you do. You know that's not my thing, right. so I had to I had to I had to unlearn some things, and and just take myself out of the equation as much, and that was hard for me to do. But as as much as I can attribute so much credit to to various people regarding me um, learning sketch comedy, like it's not like I never knew what sketch comedy was. I had just never did it, you know. Right. But then there's the age difference you know my none of my only one of my castmates had ever seen in living color versus uh, the others predominantly watching monty python which i do not think is funny you know so there's comedy is so subjective and it doesn't make a person right or wrong because they might not laugh or they might laugh at something else it's just that it's it's that's a that's a really I think comedy is kind of like algebra, but you have to make it seem like basic math, you know, when it comes to the laugh. But man, this is, it's, it's been a gift and a curse. <laughs> it's been, a, and, and more, actually last year was more of a, of a, of a gift. I'll say last year was more of a curse, but this year is more of a gift because I learned so much. Like yeah. I can walk away from here saying, I know these things as far as comedy is concerned but as fun as it is to dress up as a character now i'm i'm able to do voiceovers i did the voiceover for scooby-doo and quite a few other characters in the sketches but 
To me, nothing will ever compare to stand-up. There's something about being able to make a room full of people laugh right away, no matter what just happened on the other side of the wall. It really feels like a superpower. Yeah, it's infectious, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean... It's funny too because, uh, like, even for me on this side, being on the business side of the business of of comedy, um, it's I don't laugh a lot when I go to comedy shows. I mean, just because mm-hmm. I become immune to it, I do know when things are funny. But it's just unfortunately that's just a drawback of the of the of the job because you'll see a premise coming and you're like, all right, well, I know what's coming or whatever, and I just don't laugh that often. So when it, when I do laugh, I just really know when it's a really great comedian. Um, but I'm also able to not laugh and go, well, that guy's funny and just say it just like that. But yeah. talk about the infectiousness. The infectiousness also goes on my side too. When I see, see, see yourself up on a stage, um, like you did my venue in, um, Concord, North Carolina last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, just watching you, you're like one of my kids, right? You know, I kind of look at you like that and, <laughs> and you're just like making everybody just laugh and i'm just i'm not laughing because i've seen that like that joke of yours maybe before um but Mm -hmm. i'm just i'm looking at the crowd and that was my like rush like your rush is the adrenaline of hearing that laughter but it's also for me as well you know it's like once removed right it's like it's like all right because i had my finger on this right so that's yeah it's, it's you know so that's part of this as well i love what i do and you know, my wife always says I'll never retire just for that reason as well. So it's just it's it's a pretty cool gig. So, so. well, it's healthy for you, too. You know, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's the reason why I like being friends with comics, because even if I'm not on the show and I have the capacity to go support, it's like you like seeing somebody win, too. Like you said, I have my finger on it like I'm a part of this. And right. and it all feels it's like a vitamin almost, you know. So I just um. When I'm on such a high, and I think I think that's probably what um, Mitch Hedberg struggled with, like that when that high, you don't want that high to go away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you get off stage and you're so high off making perfect strangers laugh, you want that high. You want to feel that again. Yeah. So you, you know? switch and, to uh, drugs instead of waiting the uh, the 22 hours before you can go back up on stage again. So. <laughs> I possibly. I, I'm not Maybe. saying that for sure. I know. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm sure there could be some demons and stuff, stuff that we don't know about either. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, so I, I definitely understand that aspect of, and I've seen it from so many comedians because I think every comedian has that. Like, hey, when can I get back on stage again? And especially now during COVID, you just see people oh, just going man. nuts and like, I gotta get back so, on stage. Gotta get back on stage. It, so. it was a gift when you called me and told me about Wise Guys. And you know what? I meant to tell you this when we talked uh, this morning. When you like, we'll talk later. They tipped me. Nice. They don't. Well, they should have. They didn't pay not... enough. <laughs> yeah, you telling me? <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Now that you know, they have summer money, and now it's COVID money. Okay, got it. All right, but yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, beggars can't yeah. be choosers at this point in time. But yeah, well, they should have. So I'm glad they did. So. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. It, it, yeah. it was. You know what? It... I'm not even gonna take commission on that. You can keep that all to yourself. <laughs> I gotta write that down. You take commission off tips. <laughs> hey, you don't think that the IRS does when you go look at your W your your W nine when you write down your tips? They take taxes on that. Come on, I'm Mister Nice Guy. <laughs> You're oh, welcome, sir. You're welcome. I'm better than the IRS. <laughs> it was. <laughs> 
That's the worst go-to. That's like this girl. A friend of mine called me about a gig the other day, and she said, um, she she asked me how much I charge and everything, and I said, well, usually, you know, you got to go through my agent. She said, well, you from St. Louis, so I just wanted to go directly through you. And she said, um, she said, how much you charge? And I told her what my price was. She said, well, I mean, it's around Thanksgiving and you have to see your family anyway. I mean, life is short. <laughs> I said, you're the worst, the worst negotiator. <laughs> life is short. Life is short. I've got I seventeen dollars in a tic tac. Wait, come on, you can do my gig. <laughs> life yeah. is short. That was priceless. Yeah. So I wasn't, I wasn't blown away by the amount. You know, it was just the gesture that she said. You know, we gave yeah. you a tip, and I'm like. This whole check is usually Chuck's commission. <laughs> so I was looking at that check and I was going, I should say, well, I'm not doing me, but it, you know, it's just, just making it relative. Yeah. Um, I was like, this is why Chuck never wanted me to do clubs. Remember when I, I called yeah. you a couple of times, I'm like, Chuck, I need to do some clubs. And you're like, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most comedians, uh, like even like, it's the craziest thing that um, if you're out there and you don't know this, but, um, the club money from the so I started in '95 in this business. The club money has mm -hmm. not changed. Like you still no typically get what you would get in 1995 to headline a week at a comedy club in uh, in 2020. And it's just bananas. Wow. So they it's just so the club wait it's really tough to make. So, so wait a minute when you got when you got comics like. You, what about comics like Bill Burr and That's Chris different. Rock? Those are different. I mean, those okay. are guys that are okay. working uh, high percentage door deals. But if you do not have a name for yourself and you are not a draw, say you go into the Chuckle Hut in, in Topeka or whatever, and uh, you are going in there, you are not making any more money today than you were making probably in, in 1995. And that's a fact. I mean, it's. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure comedians will start putting it in the, uh, in the chat. Well, oh, here you go, uh, Hank, Hank Denson. Unless you have a door deal, it has not changed. That is absolutely a fact. If you don't have a door deal, shout, you don't shouts out to Hank. Yeah, Hank's a go good ahead. dude. Uh, yeah, the um, it just hasn't changed, unfortunately. And and I've tried as you know, I don't book a lot of clubs. So, but mm -hmm. when they do come about, I try to get the comedians uh, the money that that they're worth. And unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, com uh, comedy agencies that swoop in and just undercut and just keep that it's uh, that su supply demand line just hovering around the 1995 rate. And I and that's and that's why so I got sad. out of the club market. I honestly, I mean, I used to book a ton of like one nighters and such back in the day, and and I, I mean, I just don't like it. I mean, unless it's really good people. Uh, just before COVID hit, um, I had a uh, club in Waco, Texas. And I, I met the guy in Texas, and I said, I have to meet you before I start working with you. Make sure you're, like, on the level and a good dude, and you're going to take care of these comedians. Because there's so many clubs that don't give a shit about the talent. They're just worried about that bottom line. And these this couple was just amazing. And unfortunately for them, you know, the COVID hit right after, like, two months after they got up and running. So hopefully they'll bounce back. But the club market is just, just horrible. So, and I... I wow. Wow. I uh, I scream from the mountaintops if you are a club owner um, out there to pay the comedians what they're worth. You, you you know what you're paying your your comics and take care of them. So I know times are tough, but yeah, they're, they're, they're not that tough. There's my <laughs> hey, but the the thing about that is, like, 
it's kind of like everybody should understand like the golden rule, you know, the whole, you know, treat, do unto others and one hand wash the other. Like, dude, if you keep taking care of me, that's why we've been doing business so well together because it's, it's fair, you know, but that's, that's just, that's, that's robbery to know that they can upsell everybody else. There's a two drink minimum or two item minimum. And then you pack the club out. You made the rent. You made you made your profit. You're gonna send this dude home with crumbs and you know he got a family. They got sponsorship deals with like Bud Light and such or whatever. You know, there's so many ways to make money, but yet the the talent is always the 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 I think the last person to, to uh reap the benefits of that sold out show, I guess. So they should so, call it so I'm glad wise guys it, at least tipped you and took care of you. So that was a that was a nice gesture. Yeah. So. Hats off to them. Yeah. So um they should call right. it business show. Instead yeah. of show business. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's shift gears again. Uh, so, all right. So, I'm just trying to think of all the places I have booked you. I mentioned, like, Guam and such. Another one that comes up, uh, one of my favorite places um, that I booked you for, I got to go with you. And that was in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Um, yeah. We had booked a, uh, the Navy base there. And I somehow convinced the Navy to use <laughs> our tax dollars to fly me down there as well. Um <laughs> Because I was a Navy brat, and I actually lived in Guantanamo uh, for my third and fourth grade. Uh, so I said, I've got to go back to go check it out. And that was just one of those, Just it was me, you, uh, Jesse Campbell, and Chris Killian. And, and it was just one of those just great, like, I think it was three or four days we went down there and had a blast. So. Yeah, it was great for a while. Which one of those idiots ha- asked how many detainees they had? Hey, Which that's one? Whole, that's a whole different story. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's still a me. part of the story. That was me, the idiot. So. You really? That was you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I so, thought it was a comic. Now, the story is uh, that um, apparently you weren't allowed to even discuss the, um, the detention center that is in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. They've, they clearly know it's there. It's You can see it from Google, but we got debriefed upon entering um, the country that that no comedian was to mention it on stage nor off stage. Uh, no mention of waterboarding um, or talking about the president. Um, Obama was there at the time. Um, the president, not in Guantanamo. But so yeah. Uh, long story short, I there was uh, a, a soldier, and a lot of the soldiers I would just ask, "Hey, what do you do for uh, on on the base for your job?" Because you know everybody has a job, and you know a lot of people were like, "Hey, I put up you know power lines or do this, do this." And I finally got a guy that said, oh, "Well, I am. Uh, I work at the detention center. I'm. I'm on the front lines of guarding." And then he had had too many beers, and then he started telling too much. You know the old uh, saying, "Loose lips sink ships." Sink well, ships. That, that guy had some loose lips, and he got in big ass <laughs> trouble. And then we thought we were gonna get in trouble, and it was. We quickly uh, left the evening in fear for our life, and I thought my phones were tapped for two weeks after. I swear to God, I I was convinced that my my phone was tapped. So. Chuck, when we left, the whole vibe changed from from the the boat ride to to when the plane was in the air. We circled the island for an hour almost, and the pilot kept. Flipping pages in the manual, I was like, "We, this is how I'm dying. This is it, God." I mean, yeah. It turns out uh, just, the landing gear wasn't going back up, so we had to turn back around and go switch planes. So, yeah, that was dude, 
I was so scared. I couldn't <laughs> wait to get back to Miami. But dude, that's that should be that should be in like some kind of story chronicle or something. But I thought it was one of the other comics. That's probably why I never knew which comic it was. Chris Killian was, was with me at the time, but uh, but yeah, I think um, I I was kind of prodding the uh, the uh, <laughs> the soldier at the time. I didn't know who to be mad at. Now oh, I, know. I guess it's me then. <laughs> But anyway, it was it was it was fun. I got paid to make the troops laugh. And, yeah, that, that was um, the best. There was uh, there's four thousand uh, soldiers on the base, and one thousand of them showed up. Um, I believe that was yeah. the numbers, whatever. And that was just yeah. And I've asked so many times to go back, and my emails are <laughs> are unresponsed. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, we let you go. You're not in jail. It's okay, but you can't come. Yeah, back. I think that's how that worked out. Yeah. So. so yeah, but, but you, you know did, what? I, the... I booked you on some other ones. You, uh, you got to go to um, Oktoberfest and and um, that was in Germany. That was so fun. That was Germany a- was Andrew one of my Slater. favorite. Yeah, Andrew was nice. He's the nicest guy. I still got pictures of him in my old camera. I got to give to him. But uh, that such and such Ben. Yeah, there's a... <laughs> I just I thought he was gonna get killed or fall down a hole or get his head chopped off. This dude was doing the dumbest stuff. He almost chuck I'm gonna be honest with you, I almost picked a fight with Ben just so I can beat him up. Because he You don't was, have to say his last we were, name. We don't want to get him in trouble. That was that was a third comedian that was on the on the bill, but yeah, yeah. Were... <laughs> I won't say his last name. But he made he needed a haircut and I wanted I was gonna and I brought my clippers. I was gonna cut <laughs> I was gonna cut a plug in his head just to piss him off to make him want to fight so I could beat him up. That's how much I hated him by the end of the tour. This fool, we were on Amy Winehouse's tour bus, and you know he he got a girl. I was happy for him, you know, do your thing. But he was farting on the bus, and that's that's just man code. You don't do that around another man respectfully, and that's why I really wanted to see his nose crooked. Like I was like I should. <laughs> But we're overseas, and if we were in another city in America, I would have beat the living snot out of him. And I'm proud of myself for not doing that and for not cussing, well, only cussing one time during this whole thing because I have to keep my brand clean because of Studio C. No, I like it. Good job, man. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) I've taught you well. Meanwhile, you're cussing up a storm. Yeah, well, you know, I, I... I can say like it's my stuff. show. Yeah, I you know I think I started off like uh, squeaky clean, but you know what? This is how I talk around my friends, so I don't hide anything. I'm an open book, you know. So I'm I'm fine with that, but it, I just think it's so funny that before I go on stage at the conference, you like you know clean equals green. Every time you swear, hey, you're that's... popping a bubble, <laughs> you're popping a balloon. That's money going away 100% from us. Accurate, hundred percent accurate. The, the this podcast isn't making either one of us money, so uh, we can say what we want. <laughs> I do want to go back though. Uh, um, earlier in the uh, chat, I see uh, Chris Schuler. I'm gonna give a shout out to Chris Schuler. He goes, "Please screenshot this uh, one, Chuck, for uh, for Arvin's new headshot." Um, <laughs> Arvin used to have a really hard time of getting me uh, promotional materials. Like, like, dude, can you get this headshot? Is 12 years old? Can you please give me a new one? And then uh, at one time, I think we Melissa Beer created a weight loss program like who would win the uh lose the most weight before arvin created a new headshot or what for I real i tell you that 
<laughs> oh, that's that's just oh, that's cold. Uh, it's true though. It is hundred percent true. <laughs> Touche. Yeah, and then you know also, yeah, he so he got he gave me three new headshots, and that was about seven or eight years ago. So uh, yeah, I'm still waiting probably, for, for new ones. It's maybe I just new. did. I just did a photo shoot last week. Well, well, send them my way. So you, I will. We, I'm we gotta need some new headshots. We gotta get you some more work now. So you telling me? <laughs> so so <laughs> what is the? Uh, I mean, out of all the things you've done in your career. And uh, whether it's something I booked or anything else, what is the zenith so far in your career? What's the best gig that you like? You know, you go to and go. That was my favorite gig so thus far in my career. Do you have that? Um, is I actually got more than one, but you can at the top of my list. At the top of my list is um is Africa. When you send me to Africa. When you know this was the same tour we were just talking about, and it's just because I had it written down on my like, like I don't I hate to say bucket list, but it was just like it was an aspiration of mine to get paid to go to Africa to do comedy, and I um I went so hard. Now I don't remember. I know Andrew was on the show, and and Ben was too. And didn't we have a girl with us? Was uh, was it Jesse? I don't know. No, yeah, Jesse was with us. So, whatever the lineup was, we all had decided because we were doing this tour that we would rotate. So, when we got to Africa, the crowd was predominantly minority. You know, and they were they were they were edgy. I won't say they were predominantly minority. They was just, you know, it wasn't my turn to headline, and I end up having the headline because whoever's turn it was to headline was afraid and I went so hard Chuck I, I ripped my pants like the crouch in my pants I split my pants and I kept going until I was done I was sweating and I killed the show and I remember when my my now wife and I we were going through it and you called me back and said Africa wants you back and I said I can't do it you remember that <laughs> I don't remember I, I, that part. Well, I hated turning it down. Well, because this I don't know if it was the same lady who was um who booked the tour or whatever, but they they wanted me to come back to Africa and I was going through counseling and everything with my wife and I and I couldn't go back and that I will never really forget that. So it was it was that that was like that was it for me and um and I guess you could say Studio C for a whole nother reason, like not just learning a new uh, muscle in comedy, but like I got this gig and it's like, it's the closest thing that being cast in a sitcom and I'm getting paid to learn. Um, some of my castmates get to shadow the directors and get yeah. to learn another new skill and everything. And I'm, I'm hoping I, I have the opportunity to take advantage of that too. And to have a job during COVID that I don't have to go out and, you know, kind of, we don't have to go pitch for work. Like I, I worked through a pandemic and right now you, you know, what we're waiting on, you know, to hear if, you know, I get yeah. hired for hi another season. On or hiatus currently. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I but I, I'm still working. Right. So I had to go in today to do a voiceover and, um, you know, it's just, it's just eerie sitting around castmates, not knowing if we're all coming back, but we're still working. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
So well, I mean, um, the good news is, about you, uh, as opposed to them, that we can probably still find you some work, whether it's live at a at a reduced capacity or or virtually. So uh, I booked you for some mm-hmm. virtual colleges, and and uh, do you like doing those? Did um, did you like the virtual comedy for uh, the colleges? I mean, I love them. You can't be late. You know, I'm not getting stuck in traffic, you know, but yeah. <laughs> oh, you can't I just, be late if I'm, you don't have the right time zone or whatever. <laughs> I yeah, guess well, that. that's, what, that's why I always check. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've been checking in with you. I'm like, what, tell, what time is it there? I'm, I don't want to yeah. guess. Oh, dude, but, um, I'm the same way, man. I, I, uh, I had a virtual NACA conference the, the last two weekends, and, and I was doing my time zone math wrong, uh, like, every day. I'm like, wait, where am I? Am I going back in the future? <laughs> <laughs> yeah back in it's, the past it's overwhelming <laughs> uh, and, and i'm glad i got a chance to check in because it i, I would hate, that would be so embarrassing to miss a show when you all you have to do is go in another room right you know what i mean yeah. like I, I just gotta put on a shirt and a hat <laughs> yeah that was I my mean, opener uh, i mean most people used to book shows like six nine months in advance too and and colleges are like oh we got a last minute show uh for like next week i'm like no last minute show was like i can have a comedian flip on his computer now we can go <laughs> so yeah that's yeah. last minute and we, and we can do it so but um yeah i, yeah. I uh i, I kind of like that the virtual world i i don't want to travel out to anywhere else ever again <laughs> so. it's funny to hear you say that because i remember when i first called you when this happened you were like nah dude we doing we gonna wait this yeah, live yeah. show is you know <laughs> there are people that are still waiting now, there are people that are still waiting i uh i saw roy wood jr talk about that uh on uh, the just for last uh, festival over the weekend he's like i i, I ain't doing it like like he's just waiting he's but you know some people have uh you know more security and such. I mean, uh, some people yeah, can't wait. He right? has the capacity to wait. Yeah, some people just can't wait. So I mean, we're yeah. all, all making it work. So um, yeah. So um, so all right. So what was the other gig? Did you say the other gig? Oh, oh, the Studio C, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. All right. So I let's mean, go. Really? Uh, let's go one step higher. Like what? Uh, what's the one gig that I haven't gotten you, or you haven't gotten yourself yeah. that you would love to get? Like what's the the next? Like long term, like oh, I, I, I really would like this as part of my career. That it, you know, that would round out the uh, the resume, I guess. I, I really want to reach, and I was just on the phone with a friend of mine earlier today. I want to reach about fifty thousand followers so I can start getting paid for commercial ads doing comedy online, because you know me. And out of all the antics I've ever done around you and stuff, like this, the foolishness that we see on the internet, like that comes easy to me. Yeah. And I haven't done it because I don't want to look, it just looks like everybody's trying too hard, but I'm like, I do this without a camera, but now I'm not doing it. You know what I mean? Like people are getting, they're getting paid and, and, and it's garbage that you see out there. And the dumb- Half of them are like weird comedy scripts, and they're they're led to believe that it's just you know improv and just like on the fly. But yeah, it's it's the internet's yeah. weird. And it's so I, I I gotta have a conversation. I got a friend who's um who's who's in 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 bed with with Facebook, and this girl is doing numbers, and she teaches people how to do numbers like she does. And um, I'm trying to get the the inside on it, and I'm hoping I'm I'm able to crack this code because 
I, I just heard she helped somebody else, and this guy's doing numbers too. But I just never wanted to be a part of the the audience that you know everything is about sex and it's just it's just easy, man. I, I want some good comedy. You know what I mean? So anyway, you um, being a comedy purist, look at you. I, I wouldn't say that. I just want to say, give me give me a good laugh. Don't just make it. Don't make it garbage. Right. You know what I mean? So, and I, I have been a little crass on stage before, but you know. Yeah, and it make you a better good. comedian when you were clean. I think in the long run, I, mean, I think if you can do that, I've said that to you a million times. I said it to a, a million other comedians. So, but um. Yeah, man. Well, yeah. I think it's about time, man. We, uh, that was a, a great uh, time with you, man. Do you want to uh, plug uh, anything uh, on the way out? Um, yeah, y'all, please watch Studio C and and <laughs> download the app. Uh, this is a BYU TV app, and look for Studio C on there. And my Instagram is Arvin Comedian. And um, if you want to book me, go to Chuck because I'm funny. Yeah. That, well, I'm glad you you plugged it. I'll, I'll like if you need a comedian out there, go to summitcomedy.com. Uh, you can book Arvin. You can book anybody else. We're available. Virtually. We're talking about anybody else, Chuck. We're talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> it's my commercial. I'm trying to give No, options. but seriously, thanks, thanks for having me. I give I, options I, to I everyone. <laughs> well, yeah, Arvin, thanks a lot, I'm man. Sick. Arvin, I, I love you. you to death, man. I, I thank you for uh, taking you time too, out man. your day to come on, uh, on the check drop. And um, we'll see you soon. All right. Thank everybody you again. My wife says we're waiting on a wedding gift from you and yours. Hmm. I was waiting. <laughs> I, I didn't even get a Zoom link. <laughs> I didn't even get well, a Zoom you know I'm bad. I'm bad at that, but yeah. I will send you a video. Hmm. I was just joking about that, though. But I, I will. See, I wanted you to see pictures because you don't even know what she looks like. Yeah, I, I stalked her online. I, fa- I found her. She's beautiful. So uh, I found out who she was. Uh, and my wedding gift is uh, you keeping that commission from uh, that tip from this uh, past weekend. So, Hilarious. So enjoy. Have a great go, evening, Chuck. Go buy, uh, go buy a bread maker or something with it. All right. Love you, man. We'll see you. Right. We'll see Love everybody you too, next man. week. Talk to you later. All right. All right. Okay. Bye.